Let's get ready for some wheel nerds. Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 52. I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. And I am getting drunk right now. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I have, uh, I've been uh, down in Durango over the weekend, and I brought Chuck something I thought he might like. Can't open. He a grown up. So this is from uh, the Meadery of the Rockies in Palisade, Colorado, which is incidentally next to some of the most amazing riding you'll ever do in your life on the road to Silverton from Durango. They make mead. They make honey. I actually have some of their honey, and they have some really good honey, too. This is the Lancelot Semi-Sweet. Yep. I bought this. I bought the King Arthur, which is the really dry one that I've got at home for myself. This one seemed like it would be about your speed. Yeah, because I do like the sweet stuff. Mm-hmm. This isn't terribly sweet, but it's also not... Uh, not bad either. So once again on Wheel Nerds, we're drinking. We are drinking. And you're not. Meadery of the Rockies. You're at work. So the, one of the cool things is, though. Oh, salut. Kampai. Ooh, that's uh, tart. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah, it's a little tart. They they had, you could go sweeter and sweeter. And they actually, um, they named all of their meads after round table figures. So uh-huh. the King Arthur is the really dry one. It's not, not even as sweet as this. It okay. tastes almost like a white wine with like a little honey taste. I love it. I, I bought myself a bottle. Okay. This one was the one that was starting to get kind of sweet, but not like super yucky sweet. Okay. Once you get up to the Guinevere and the, I can't remember what's beyond that, it starts to get kind of like almost syrupy. Okay. This one seemed like a winner to me. Yeah, it's not bad. I think you probably would have gone sweeter, but I was like, eh. I likely would have gone sweeter. Because, mm. well, that meat I drink from honey, honey, Honey brew, honey brew, something like that. Yeah, Honey-a, that's pretty sweet. And there, there, we should note the honey brew cider is also amazing. Oh yeah, that cider is phenomenal. Apple cider. But yeah, I was I was impressed as hell with this stuff. Um, just their their general spread of mead and the fact that they have lots of different kinds. They have flavored stuff too, you know, like berries mm-hmm. and all that kind of good stuff. I like it. Thank you. Cool. Thank you for bringing me alcohol. You are welcome. It makes sitting next to you and the. Let's do uh, classifieds. Okay, let's do some classifieds. In addition to our usual classified of Five Wheelers merch, <laughs> our first one is a fast dirt bike, almost finished, $500 from New Hampshire. Yep. It's a Honda CR250 restored and moded. Moded? <laughs> moded. Okay. It has a Honda Rebuild. Reble. 250 twin motor. It with only 3,000 months. It needs tire tubes and a brake line. Break break that line. Uh-huh. It has brand new, just about everything except all that stuff. It starts and runs. It needs the exhaust to be wild. <laughs> Wheelied. Wheelied. I will post pictures. Uh, okay, he did. Serious pephole only. I am up for trade and paintball stuff only. High-end guns, no Walmart or Tipman other than an X7. Email is the best way. Now, what's funny is uh, Roland sent this to us, and he says he thinks this is James from The Pace. <laughs> James from the Pace, huh? Yeah, trying to. Well, he wants some paintball guns. You know, it could be him if Chris is the one who does the editing. Ooh, burn! (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's uh, that's quite the. Yeah, you know, this doesn't sound. Are you sure you want to be mocking a man who's collecting paintball guns? Well, yeah. Especially if it's an adult male selling this bike, posting something like this, collecting paintball guns. This, to me, doesn't sound, quite honestly, like like an adult. This sounds like a teenager, like that, a 19-year-old. That bike doesn't look like it's moved in a long time. That, that's true, actually. Anyone who's 16, this bike would have been dead long since. That This bike was like, look at the layer of dust on this thing. Wow, there, yeah. This has got a, a deep, thick layer of dust on it. This was found in someone's garage, right past the body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it could be yours for some sweet paintball guns. All you need is some paintball guns. <laughs> you know, there's one other possibility we haven't talked about with this bike. Not stolen. <laughs> Onward. Onward. This is a local ad. Yeah, a local Also from Roland. It's a Banshee-powered Marauder. Yep. A YFZ350 motor in a street bike. This will blow your mind. Yes, it wheelies. Yes, it will do 100 miles an hour. And yes, it gets there fast. It is the perfect cure when you're not going to the sand. The motor is bored. .060 over with ported cylinders. This port job has boost ports added for low-end pull. Trude and welded crank. Milled head. Because I did not have a cool head. <laughs> I believe it is milled. Stock carbs in a two-may something blah, blah, blah. Yes, it does pass Utah's safety inspection. All lights work in the stator mode did to keep bat charged. Decent tires. Metzler 880s. 
motorhead only has 111 miles on it. Okay, in all fairness, it doesn't take much to pass the Utah safety inspection. That is true. Yes, you need to be uh, able to uh, pay the money and uh, get there. Yeah, I mean, the passing inspection is the equivalent of a doctor saying, do you have a pulse? Hmm. Yeah. Are you breathing? That's, that's about the size of it. <laughs> Here's your sticker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is a – it's an ATV two-stroke motor jammed into a – Cruiser. Marauder, <laughs> which is criminal because the Marauder's motor was cool to begin with. Yeah. I, uh, why would you – Because you are a sled neck and – or a, whatever they call ATV people and you had a, one of these motors and uh, you had the frame. You had a dead bike with no motor and this is the only motor you could get? I, I guess. I Because um, the Marauder, that, that's the 800cc. It's the 800cc. It's, it's the motor. M50's predecessor. Yeah, it's a sweet motor on its own. Yeah, it's a great motor already. There's nothing uh, wrong with it. This bike wheelies okay? I, I'll tell you, if it's anything like the Volusia, you can wheelie it, but it's very hard. It'll break the rear wheelies most of the time before it wheelies, just by dint of the weight of the thing. I'm having problems seeing it. Yeah, I'm not buying it either. But, uh, you know, you look at this. Now you can get a sweet, loud-as-fuck two-stroke motor in, uh, you know, ruining an otherwise good motor. <laughs> <laughs> Think of how great this will be. I mean, it looks interesting. I like how he's taking the front fender off because that's cool. Well, yeah. Just... I bet it catches that condenser pipe from the two-stroke. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. This is an that, unholy abomination. Without that front fender, it looks very unfinished. Well, it looks very unfinished because of the way the motor is jammed in there too. Well, you know. I mean, more I, power to them for getting it in, but. It kind of looks cool. I kind of like the, I kind of dig that look. I mean, it's definitely got a sort of a homebrew feel to it. Yes, it does have that. And, uh, you know, so it, it, it's kind of ugly in a V-Strom sort of way. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is just ugly in an unholy abomination kind of way. Yeah, I'm well. I'm going to be optimistic and just say he had a dead motor. Okay, and yeah. this is what he had. This is what he had. In so this is case, a survival type of thing. That you know, that's pretty cool. More power to him. Yeah, but like the, he's selling it up. Like this is the thing that everybody <laughs> should be doing with their Marauders. You want this? Yes, you want it. On the other hand, he only wants two grand for the thing. Yeah, so, so he, who knows? he knows what he's got. Yep. It's not like he's saying, look at this totally sweet cafe bike from 1977, $5,500, bro. Eh, that's a good point. Well, I, I, hope, he so, I hope he finds a, a buyer who is into it and enjoys it. Okay, so here's our last uh, ad on ADV Rider. Um, I don't see this appealing to anybody. Oh, it's a V. It's a 2006 Suzuki V-Strom with a Dauntless sidecar rig. I'm selling my 2006 Suzuki V-Strom 1000 motorcycle with a Dauntless M72D sidecar rig. She's located in Centennial, Colorado. I can ride her if you wish, if you provide me a plane ticket home. Two-state maximum. Who wants a bike like that? Ooh. I, I just... What, what, what are you doing? Huh? Keep your hands above the desk. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a uh, it's a Dauntless rig, so that'll be a fiberglass Ural clone sidecar. Yeah, it looks exactly like It's got like a little, uh, little light on it. Looks like it's not a brakes wheel on the side, which doesn't particularly excite me. But it's got the subframe. It's got a sidecar. So not two-wheel drive? No, no, no. You wouldn't – you would never – two-wheel drive is a is a, is a Ural thing? A rarity. It's a Ural thing. Okay. Um, would you put a car tire on the Strom? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I put a car tire on the Strom. In fact, I think if this is the one I think it is, I think I've read about this guy. I believe this is Yoshi. Yep, I thought so. Yeah, this guy has uh, ridden ridden this thing all over the place in Denver. Mm. Um, he does have a car tire conversion on the rear. The uh, no sidecar brake to me is kind of iffy. I'm not crazy about that, but to each his own. This How is come? pretty good, mostly because of the when you stop without a sidecar brake, the yaw is pretty tremendous, you're especially just, in a hard stop. The, the sidecar is just going to the sidecar is always going to pull forward and try to pass you. Mm -hmm. A common thing in the class when I took it with the unbraked wheels on those sidecars was that a lot of people. Especially who weren't expecting it, they would come in sideways to the braking chute mm. when I was said and done. So I, I prefer a brake on the sidecar. That is a pretty well set up rig. The Dauntless car is really good. You can very easily improve it with all kinds of crap. Mm -hmm. If you're cool with the fiberglass car, it's in good shape. And the fiberglass will probably last, you know, longer than the Strom will. Mm -hmm. Got the subframe, got the whole thing. That's pretty cool. 36,000 miles. He's asking for about 10 grand. Mm-hmm. Probably pretty reasonable, actually. Yeah. He bought a 2011 Euro Patrol. Interesting. 
What's yours? Mine's a 2007 Euro Patrol. Okay. His will have those new wheels, those aluminum wheels that are round. Mm-hmm. Now, you think he's going to be sad? I don't know. Going from the Strom to the Euro? I don't honestly know. A lot of guys have had Strom rigs and sold them to get something more purpose-built for what they were trying to do with it. Mm-hmm. If he's trying to go off-road with it and stuff, he'll be happier on a Euro, mostly. There's a few notable exceptions, like really steep hills, where a Ural's not that great. And it will stall <laughs> on the uphill. <laughs> really? I was in Durango, and I was on a... We were, we were going on this dirt road around Viacito Lake. Okay. I was following a friend on her spider. The spider's not really an off-road vehicle, but... No, it's got three wheels. But it's got three wheels, so it's not going to fall over, and the thing's got gobs of power. Yeah. So she hits the hill, and she just gasses it, and just basically rebounds the undercarriage of her spider off a bunch of rocks to get to the top. <laughs> We hit the hill and we're going pretty well until we have to go around. The added cornering force starts to load up the Ural's motor a little too much. Yeah. And it goes, blah, 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 blah. It stalls <laughs> on a really fucking steep hill. Break time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then the real problem is, is with two people in the thing and it's hot already, the clutch is making smells like burning clutch. Like Trying to get the thing moving again is very, very difficult. Mm. So... If, he, if he's just looking for something to fart around town with, he'll probably be very happy with a Ural because it looks like his Strom's steering is not modified at all. Okay. So this thing's going to be this thing's gonna be a, a workout to ride. More than the Ural? Yeah. Oh, man, because the, the Ural. Ural seemed pretty exhausting watching you on it. Yeah. Well, and there, there's some things the Ural has bad that this will have good, like suspension, presumably. But I don't know. I can't see the back suspension. So it's a pretty cool rig, especially if you wanted to just try something out with a little more modern rig than a Ural can offer. Mm-hmm. It'd be a pretty fun one. I'd... You know what? Let's um, let's talk about this other sidecar rig. Okay. So I saw this this thing at the Salt Lake Airport, long-term parking. Cool. It's a BMW GS mm-hmm. with a yellow submarine. Yes. Yes, it does have a yellow submarine, doesn't it? We're all in the yellow submarine. The yellow submarine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, the, it's an odd choice of color for a sidecar, although you can't miss it. You're not going to – yeah. And it was – I mean, the thing's huge. Yeah, it's immense. You could put – I mean, the guy's got two cooler-sized – boxes on them. One's a cooler. Mm-hmm. The other one's like a army box. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what's under that tonneau cover. I have a sneaky suspicion this is probably an Enduro-style sidecar. Okay. So there's probably a seat right under the edge where the tonneau cover stops. So it's a higher seat rather than a lower comfort seat like the Ural, designed for somebody to sit up in and roll around. The other possibility is, and I can't really see how it will work with this one, but it looks like it might maybe be for somebody who would be in a wheelchair. Oh. You know, the, the sheer size and height of I the mean, thing. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's so big. Yeah. But where so, would you put the wheelchair? Normally you'd load them in the back up a ramp, but there's no real sign of No, he's that. got those big-ass boxes in the back. Yeah, I can't, it doesn't look like it tilts down, but who knows. It's, uh, it's clearly a purpose-built thing. It's smells a little like Claude. It looks kind of like one of his things. Mm. I'd be curious about it. I mean, there's a windshield on the sidecar. It does look like the seat would have to be awfully high. Yeah. I'm thinking thinking somebody made an Enduro-style traveling rig to go with the GS. Probably puts the passenger about at a level with the uh, rider. Okay, so why would you do that? Most of the time when you do the Enduro-style rig like that, it's so your monkey can be more active. You probably noticed it in the Ural seat, but... Your ability to really lean out is somewhat, yeah, somewhat curtailed by the seat you're in because it's yeah, sort of like a recliner. Your posture is all wrong. Your leverage is all wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in this well, case – I mean that thing looks like such a big-ass boat. I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm having trouble re, you know, reconciling in my head someone being active on that. And Well, think of it if uh, there's nothing on the side to their right and left and there's a good long grab bar up there. Okay. They'll be able to grab the bar and step out onto that step and really just lean like a mother. Mm. Uh, this also looks to me a little like one of those kind of round-the-world rigs. Okay. You know, yeah, like they're taking fucking everything. That that I could see because the thing is like damn well bigger than the fucking bike. Yeah, it's immense. I really like how the bike still has a side box on it. Yep. Nothing says adventure. Like well, if, just... I, if I hack the Strom, you know, I leave all my side boxes on it. That's just funny to me. Yeah? yeah. Okay. I don't know. I mean, you've got the the equivalent of a rolling trunk. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, you know, I'm still going to put this aluminum box on the side. Well, I'll tell you what. Once you get your passenger in that sidecar, suddenly all that awesome space in the sidecar is not that. Even this sidecar? Okay, maybe not that sidecar. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty cool, though. Yeah, that's that's a thing. I'll say this, though. I bet the thing sticks to the road because it weighs it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm not going to doubt no, you, sir. I'm, I'm intrigued. 
<laughs> That's cool, though. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, it was just sitting in long-term parking, and I was like, oh, I've got to take pictures of this. You don't see custom sidecars around very much. Okay. Um, so you were in Durango. You uh, did the D- Beginner Bikers uh, Rally in mm-hmm. Durango. I sure did. It was fun. I we didn't. actually trailered the Ural down this year, which wait, turned what? out to be... I'm sorry. Wait, what? I trailered the Ural down this year. Well, you'll have to speak into my good ear. I trailered the Ural to Durango. You trailered it. And as in you put it on a trailer... And towed or it you, down. Or you pulled a trailer with the Ural. I put the Ural on a trailer and towed it to Durango. Really? It was absolutely the right thing to do. Were you wearing a leather vest? Mm-hmm. Are you going to Sturgisness? I've been putting studs on things for days. <laughs> Are you bedazzling the Ural? You know it. <laughs> okay, so explain to me why did you why did you uh, trailer it? A couple key reasons we trailered it. You're a pussy. Uh, that would be high on the list, actually. <laughs> I mean, you remember last year how much it kicked my ass, and we took two days to get there. That's true. It did really kick your ass. But, yeah. I mean, now you got the fairing and the windshield. It helps, but only so much. You are not hardcore. I am not hardcore. Wow. More to the point, I was not hardcore enough to spend all of my days off on this one trip. So, plus, by the time I got there, I was rested, I was ready to go, and I have all these cool roads in Durango, and we could fart around in Durango for a couple extra days on the Ural, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was fun. Uh, That led to the adventure of the, goodness, this hill is steep uh, adventure. So you trailered it to a a biker rally. Yeah, I totally did. Wow. Yep. I feel ashamed. Eh. I feel, I don't don't know, I'm... Disillusioned. I feel. I feel nothing. No, I, I had other reasons I trailered it, which will they'll come up later. You're fancy. I'm f- fancy. <laughs> there it is. The truth is out. Fancy. Todd's fancy. <laughs> but yeah, I get to ride some other bikes while I was there too. You see my cool uh, drink holder? Ooh, a Wheel Nerds drink holder. A Wheel Nerds brand uh, drink holder. If you go to the Cafe Press site from uh, our site. Mm-hmm. The merchandise page, you can have a fancy drink holder or T-shirts like we're wearing. Shameless plug. <laughs> You've been busy on the weekend while I've been away. <laughs> I was lonely. Fair enough. So I rode a bunch of other bikes, actually. I rode a uh, Bandit 1200. Okay. I rode a ZRX 1200. Uh, or is it 14? I don't know. ZRX a lot. Um, a green ZRX. Green ZRX. Mm-hmm. I rode a BMW F800 ST. Ooh. I rode a, what is it, a Z750, which I think Kawasaki makes. Okay. I think. And then I rode a Versus. A Versus? What do you want to talk about? Okay. I want to, I want to start by talking about the four bangers, which is the uh, the Bandit, the Z-Rex, and the uh, Z750. Okay. So first of all, they, they all, they're, they're kind of funny because they're all, they all have their unique kind of character, but they all are a fairly close in behavior. So first of all, the Bandit 1200, I can totally see why people take these and hack them all the time. Like for a four banger, this thing has gobs of torque. You pretty much hit the gas anywhere in the rev range, and the bandit will just go mm. and just take off. And once you really rev it up, it just takes off like a rocket ship. The thing is absurd in power. What's the posture like on the bandit? Um, it's kind of a almost a sport touring posture. Mm. Actually, the, 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 you can kind of tell how the sport tour has evolved out of bikes like the Bandit very easily when you're riding the thing, and that, that's actually how the the guy who I uh, thanks Jeff who loaned it to me for a little ride, has it set up. It's very much a sport touring bike. Nice. Um, I was pretty happy with it. The handling was a little kind of mushy, uh, for lack of a better term. Okay. Um, but he had a leaking fork seal, so that might have been part of it. Okay. So I got got on the Z-Rex, and that thing was... Okay, first of all, the power of the Z-Rex is stupid. And I mean, like, stupid kind of in a good way, but stupid also in an it's-just-stupid way. Okay. I mean, like, I got the third gear. Oh. On, on regular roads. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you, get on, you get on this thing and it's it's a typical four banger and it, it makes no, th- there's nothing about a Z-Rex that says anything other than, I'm a hooligan bike. Mm-hmm. I'll go very fast if you twist the wick. Right, right. So I got it out of the road and I twisted the wick and uh, I was going, you know, at the end of first gear, I was going close to 70 and got into second. And Which was surely the posted limit. Yes, that was the posted limit where I was. Totally. Yep. Yeah. So it was. It was. Did kinda... you manage to dodge the school bus this time? Yes. Yes. I yeah, did. Yeah. Good yes. job. Yes. The bus full of nuns also. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. So the Z Rex is stupidly powerful. The handling of it was a little sharper than was the Bandit. Although the Z Rex I was on was pretty heavily modified. Okay. So little little tighter handling on that. I like that. Then I rode the, the Z750. So of all of them, actually, the Z750 be the one I'd be most likely to buy. Oddly enough, the power is totally normal for a four banger. So it's the gutless, 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 you know, like it's, it's got enough to get you moving, but then it hits about 6,000 RPMs and just fucking takes off like a rocket ship all the way up to somewhere over 10. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
the, the cool thing I really liked about the Z750 that I didn't expect was the cockpit. So, like, the Bandit and the Z-Rex both have long cockpits, kind of like the Strom does. Okay, yeah. You know, it's a lot of crap in front of you, and you reach sure. pretty far to the bars. Sure. The Z750 is very compact cockpit. Like, the bars are right there in front of you. You just kind of, like, put your hands up, and there they are. You're on them. So that was pretty cool. And then the handling of the bike was also just very precise, I think, because it was so small. Mm-hmm. The funny thing about it is you hit the power band in this thing, and you can actually use the power band in it, unlike the Bandit and the Z-Rex, whose power bands are singularly useless on the road. <laughs> <laughs> because they're both so ridiculously powerful uh-huh. when you hit them. You can use the power band of the Z750. It starts making this awesome wailing noise. The problem with the Z750 is when you hit the power band, things begin to shake. And I don't mean like like a little rattle. I mean like you're looking at the fairing and the windshield and everything, and the edges of the windshield are blurry because it's vibrating <laughs> so much. Dude. The whole bike just goes... You start seeing bolts start backing out of it. It's unbelievable. <laughs> the amount of vibration in this bike is just mind-boggling how much it buzzes. And you know, you're you're flying at this incredible acceleration when it's happening, but it's just – How does that feel wailing. in your hands? Uh, I could not – my hands – it was the last one I rode and my hands were tingling the entire time <laughs> I was eating dinner. The oh, owner, man. Sean, was looking at me and just laughing his ass off. I'm like, God, my hands are all tingly. He says, yep, it'll do that. <laughs> Other than that, that sounds like a bike I'd really like. The bike's a total hoot. You gotta hope, hope you don't mind vibration. Because Jesus Christ! I, I mean, would Barton weights help that? Or I don't. Has he done anything? That I he's just don't like, know. Hey, it vibrates. It's not just the bars, man. It's the whole <laughs> thing: the seat, the pegs, the ferry. <laughs> I mean, fucking everything on this bike is just vibrating. Uh, okay, it's unbelievable. So that was that was a that one was actually really kind of entertaining. Like, cause it's, I mean, that sounds like the one I'd like the most. I, I, I'm with you. That one was a real hoot to ride. Of the three mm-hmm. of them, that one was actually the most fun to ride. Mm-hmm. And then there was the F800 ST. So I've I've maligned that motor in the past. Yes, yes, you have. And <laughs> I'm going to say boring was a bit of an overstatement. I'm not going to say it's a really exciting, like engaging motor, but it totally does what it says on the tin. Like, at all RPMs, it's pretty good. It's a little flat, I found, below 5,000 RPMs. Mm-hmm. And this could just be how it's tuned for this particular bike. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, smooth. It's smooth as silk all through it. So there's never any point where the throttle responds clunkily or anything. Super smooth up to 5. And then it starts to hit the power band. And weirdly, when it hits its power band, the fueling, there's something weird about the fueling. It starts to get a little, like, I don't know, grumpy. I don't know, tetchy might be the word. Okay. Um, sort of where, like, the response is not quite what you'd expect it to be. Not what it's led you to believe up to that point. Now, did the did the bike owner echo that, or when did you say, "Hey, it's kind of weird when you get to this point"? She or? didn't. She didn't. She didn't notice really notice it. anything of the sort. So this is this is strictly a Todd thing, I guess. But uh, in terms of actually how the the bike that's built around this engine that was really really well put together, very comfortable position, kind of very very similar in position actually to the Bandit or the the Z750. You know, just your basic sport touring kind of position. Okay. The cockpit's well laid out. It's smallish. It's not really a lot of crap in front of you, and just the whole package is really good. Oh, and the handling of it is phenomenal. Awesome handling on this bike. Really, really awesome handling. And typical good BMW brakes and all that kind of thing. Sure. It's um, a BMW. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I felt a little scrunched up on it. Like, it's not as scrunched as the Thruxton, but it's getting into that territory. Okay. In general, I think really, really good bit of kit. Cool. I was pleased with it. Cool. And then there was the Versus. Talk to me about the Versus, because this bike is uh, actually on my list of bikes. This bike that needs I should be to be at. on your list of bikes. I didn't have anything on my list of bikes until I rode this Versus. Really? Okay, this is the first bike in five years that I have ridden and thought, I could maybe trade a Strawman for one of these. No shit. No shit. All the things I kind of liked about the Z70, mm-hmm. the nice compact cockpit, everything's right close by, and it's kind of like small and just flickable and light, carries its weight really well. Mm-hmm. This bike totally has it. It's not quite as as quick handling as the Z is. It's, it handles more like a typical adventure tourer. Sure. You know, it's uh, you have to put some pressure on the handle grips, but it's very progressive as it applies it. Okay. How's the motor feel? The motor is pretty cool, actually. The motor, you got to spin it up. It's it's the Ninja 650 motor, I guess. That That's what I've heard is you've got to you you, you twist. It up to get some get some grunt, but I mean, it makes enough power everywhere in the range. Like, like I never, I don't know. I've always been one of those people who I'm like, haha, enough power. Yeah, I get strong. Blam! Right, right. Yeah. That's but, what I'm uh, worried about. This one is. It's like the proverbial enough power. This and the 800 
are the ones that really, I mean, everything under a thousand were the ones I liked. This one most of all. So it had the Z750's nice compact cockpit, but it had leg room more like you get in an adventure bike. Okay. Um, which is one of the things I really like with my back knee. The position works, the bike works, you feel like you're sitting in it, you're really a part of it. As you ride it, I really just was impressed as hell with this Versus. Like, I totally understand now why everyone who tries one out ends up buying one, and everyone who buys one raves about it. This bike is fantastic. Yeah, because, um, what's his name? Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Motor tourist guy, he's got one, and he just loves his. Yeah, I can see why. I mean, this thing, this thing's fantastic. And the cool thing about it is, it's quite, quite usable at the lower end of the rev range. But the revs go real high. I mean, this is essentially a massive Ninja 250 engine, mm-hmm. so it revs super high. And when you get into those high revs, it really does take off. It okay. blasts off. Would you take it off road? Because that's the thing I hear about yeah. the Versus is it's it's. Uh, way more toward the street oriented. Oh, it's, uh, this is pretty much a totally street oriented bike. I mean, the tires on it aren't dual sport tires at all. Right. Fire roads. Fire roads. Totally. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I was, I was driving up a gravel driveway. We're likely to do. Yeah, I, I totally drive it up and down gravel access roads to campsites and stuff like that. Uh-huh. I'd be a little iffy about taking it on something like the trip we did, where we were on dirt roads for the whole day, pretty much. Bridger. Yeah, I'd be a little iffy about it for the stuff like Bridger. Okay. Um, something hard-packed and flat like Buckhorn, I wouldn't even bat an eyelash. But I'd ride an ST1100 on that and not really feel too bad about it. What about that sandy bit? Uh, the sandy bit would be a little dicey. <laughs> but the upside of the Versus is it's small and light. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to sink that much. Okay. So it's it's really I, – I just that, – that bike impressed the shit out of me. I actually got to help Steph. Thank you, by the way, Steph, for letting me ride your bike. I got to help her uh, fix her brake switch. Oh, um, okay. And the Versus also has some of those weird kind of odd things that tend to attract me to bikes. Notably, it has Jetson-style beauty panels. So, like, that futuristic-looking, like, cowling stuff on the side? Yeah. Yeah, it's a beauty panel that's futuristic-looking. Oh. Now, what, what is hers, like, a newer Versus or an older one? I don't know. It's a year too old. year too old. Because they it's changed red. the look of the bike. Huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. Last year, or maybe the year before, they they kind of made it look a little bit more conventional. Okay, this must be one of the only ones because it has it has a futuristic beauty panel. Okay, so that was a, that was the one that really impressed the hell out of me. That okay. versus kicks butt. Versus or the Weestrom? I don't know, and it really actually made me want to ride the Weestrom more again. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, engine wise, Christ, I don't know. They're very different engines. Yeah, um, the yeah. Weestrom's just gonna. It's it's the, the Wee's got more horsepower. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's gonna have more horsepower and gobs more torque. Yeah, like shit tons more torque. But you know, the Versus is so small and light. I didn't really feel like it was anemic. I didn't take it on the highway, so I don't know. On the okay. highway, it might be a whole different animal. I was into it. Is the Versus that much lighter than a Wee? I don't think it's a ton lighter. I mean, they're pretty comparable. Physically, it feels way smaller. But again, that could just be an illusion of that crazy Strom fairing. Uh huh. Yeah. So, well, the new yeah the new Strom fairing. Did away with that. Mm. They feel very comparable. Yeah, it, it makes me. It makes me want to go check out a new Wii. Maybe we should. Yes, <laughs> we could do that soon. I, well, except we can't go to Honda Suzuki because they don't have any. <laughs> Dicks. <laughs> we'll have to find a dealer that has them. <laughs> that would be useful. Yeah, you know it, it's interesting that you bring up the the whole cockpit thing because mm-hmm. I was I was that was, that's what I was comparing this weekend between the the Triumph Explorer uh-huh. and the Teneriri the Teneri the Teneriri mm-hmm. the Exploder in the Teneriri gotcha those bikes yes because in my head I'd always after I'd sat on them separately mm-hmm. I was like oh my god the the, the S10 is just so much longer and broader and mm-hmm. it's just big yeah and the, the triumph it felt like they got everything right it's mm-hmm. just it's smaller that's not true okay you put the, i got to see them side by side at one dealer well the exploder's humongous it's very humongous but they've all i can think of of is uh the design team on the tenere mm-hmm. it's japanese they were very business-like they're very serious. They're very professional. Mm-hmm. They had a project manager. They had engineers, and they had an accountant. Yeah, and they had all their team goals. And once they hit all the check boxes, they were good. Okay. The Triumph team took their accountant drinking. <laughs> okay. And then once he was properly snuckered, then they got together and decided what would be fucking cool. Gotcha. Because when you're sitting on the Triumph, uh, they've done things with the cockpit that you your perception, at least with. For me, mm-hmm. it feels like there's a lot less there. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though the gas tank on the thing it comes up to your chest level, right. you don't notice it unless you're looking at these bikes side by side and you look at the Tenere and you're like, that's more like a conventional sport bike tank. Yeah, You're on the, 
uh, Triumph, it's a fucking conning tower. Uh-huh. But you don't notice that shit. <laughs> They've got these cutouts. I don't even know if they're cutouts, but just the way the plastic has open spaces in the Explorer up front. That makes the whole bike feel a lot less enclosed. Huh. On the Tenere, it's like one complete unit that goes all the way forward. Like a strong sharing. Yeah. One, our friend Claire got on the, the Exploder and was like, oh, I can reach out and touch the windshield. Mm-hmm. That's true. But it's still pretty much as far out there as the, the Tenere. I mean, the dimensions are really similar, hmm. except the, the, the Triumph is so much bigger in the tank area. And, and it's just way fucking broad and it's way fucking tall. Mm-hmm. But you don't notice it. Interesting. When you're, I'm sitting in the, the Exploder, it feels like a cockpit. Huh. It speaks to me. Cool. But, I mean, you look at the, the, uh, the Tenere. I mean, it's, a, it's competent. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong there. Mm-hmm. You sound like me before I bought the Strom. I'm like, this is, you know, it's it's not, there's nothing, it works, it's good. It's just, I don't know, it's not It's not blowing my mind. And then, there's, I, yeah. and then I started riding one, and after about a month on the thing, I was like the true believer, it's world Stromination time. Yeah, there, there's nothing wrong with the bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know what it is. It's like they got all the people drunk on the Explorer team, and they were like, mm-hmm. fuck yes, let date birthday Frank snooker. <laughs> Or whatever British people do. I don't know. They're, they don't speak English. So which one do you think you'd buy? Fuck, I don't know. I got to gotta tell you, having ridden the smaller engines and the bigger engines together, solo shit, it really, uh, less and less do I feel like you're giving up much by going with a smaller engine these days. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think a lot of our guests have said before in the past, Austin was like harping yeah. on that point. You don't need mm-hmm. a goddamn boat to do this. Yeah. Even if, you know, I'm not going to ride around the world. I I'm not. Mm-hmm. I've got a family. I've got a little daughter. I don't want to be away that much. Mm-hmm. You want to ride around town and occasionally take a trip on it. Yeah, I want to take like a one-week vacation on it, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe two weeks, if yeah. I could get that kind of write-off from my wife. But, you know, I, I look at the Weestrom. I look at the Versus. You know, I, I – I, It's not macho enough. Is that what it is? is I think that might be what it is. I mean, that's all I can think of is you you want something bigger because you you feel like you need something bigger. I I can't have little. I need big. I I don't know. Big. I I just I want to be able to just twist and go. And you know, I got to tell you, there is a cure for that, and is riding some of those little ones. Like I would, I would never have looked at a six fifty parallel twin in a million years if you had said, "Oh, you got to ride this, and you'll buy it." Uh-huh. With the verses, uh-huh. having ridden it now, buy it in a fucking heartbeat. No shit, no shit. I mean, she and I got off Steph's bike, and she just bought a new bike. Yeah, I felt like you when you got off the uh, the Harley. Uh huh. You know, for one of our first episodes, and yeah, you're like yeah. they can't have it back. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got off. I was like, you can't have it back. <laughs> she goes, make me an offer. <laughs> you're like, fuck, damn it. <laughs> Good thing my wife is here. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> my wife was there to put the hammer down. <laughs> No. <laughs> Where is Steph? She's down in New Mexico. In Mexico? Yes. Yeah, so if you're in Socorro, Mexico, Steph on the Red Versus is selling. It's great. <laughs> There's a dude on ADV who's like, his his thread title is the AD Versus. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's, there's dudes that are adventure riding on the Versus. Yeah. They, they do it. Well, you slap some dually tires on it and it would be perfectly fine for it. Suspension is okay it. and stuff. Suspension is great. I mean, it's road suspension, which is actually one of the things that it definitely does better than the Strom or the others is the uh-huh. road suspension is quite. Well, Motorcycle.com did a, a middleweight comparison mm-hmm. with uh, the Wii, the new Wii, the Versus and the uh, F650 GS, the, mm-hmm. the twin, I think. No, it was the single. Yeah. It was the single GS. And the, you know, the, the thing they were saying was the Versus is the street bike of these three bikes. Yeah. Who are street oriented. Yep. You know, the Versus is your street bike. Yep. And they had a lot of nice things. They said wheelie's really nice. <laughs> I didn't try that out. But uh, yeah, just the whole the whole thing. Okay. Beautifully. Knowing me coming from the Buell, you know what the Buell's like. Uh-huh. Is the Versus a bike that I, I could get on? I don't know. You're going to be sitting in it, which uh, you've expressed in the past you feel weird about. Well, I've sat on the Versus, and it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like that to me. Okay. It, All right. I mean, it feels very uh, upright sport bikey to me. It kind of reminds yeah. me of the Ninja 250, which I, makes sense. Frankly, given the bikes I know you ride, I think you really need to ride the Versus. Okay. I, I think you, you may have the same kind of moment I do where you're like, holy shit, this is really good. Yeah, I, got, <laughs> I, I need to know how it feels. It's, yeah. Uh, I need to, to ride the, these bikes. Mm-hmm. It's funny, you know. You're like, oh, six fifty is small. <laughs> yeah, but but they're not. Well, you know, it's like the F eight hundred 
I got off it, and Charlie said, ask Heather what she got for fuel mileage on our trip. Oh, okay. 70 miles to the gallon. Holy shit. Uh-huh. Well, the, you know, the Exploder and the, and the Tenerer aside, the bike I really liked at the last test ride I did was the XC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, day 100. Yeah. I, I really like that the best. Yeah. And you'll get in the 50s with that, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that bike or the Versus? Because, okay, you rode both. That's going to be subjective. You rode both bikes. I do the Versus. And you called the, the XC boring. Mm-hmm. And, and the Versus didn't have that feel to you? No. No, because the Versus, the Versus is both very well-mannered, but then you can wind, you can just like ring the fucker's neck. Okay. And suddenly it blasts off. Okay. So it's like it's it's that it's got that same kind of thing I like about the Strom of the two bikes in one. It's pretty well mannered most of the time, and when you want to romp it, it just becomes the wheelie monster, which you know? I like. That's I, I like that. that. Yeah, the Buell's the same way. It's yeah. like everything's cool, everything's good, nobody's looking. Wah! Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the Versus really does the two. The Tiger, conversely, is anytime you twist the throttle, it'll go, but. It'll never go more or less. It's just a pretty constant, like, now I'm going. Mm. Whatever you say, boss. No, governor. Governor. Right. Whatever you say, governor. Pip, pip, cheerio. Right on, then. I'd go for the verses of the two, hands down. Wow. Yeah. Really? Okay. No, so. no, no hesitation. All right. So that moves the verses up on my list, then, because I got to check it out, because uh, that kind of endorsement from you. <laughs> I know. That was my reaction. <laughs> I'm like, and I wasn't, I wasn't even going to ride the verses. She's like, you got to at least try it. I mean, you're doing every other bike here. I'm like, okay, cool. You're like, fuck, really? Like, All right, I was going to sleep. Well, I, the verses held no interest for me before. I was sure. like, yeah, it's yeah, like a, yeah, like a, yeah. like a lame ass Wee Strom. Yeah. Yeah. And I got it. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> Hold the fucking phone. <laughs> so we need to go r- see if we can get new ri- rides on the new Wii. And, and the Versus. See, yeah. see what you think. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't go to that one dealer in the in the valley because when I walk in there, they don't even fucking bat an eye. Well, we'll send me in first. I don't know if they would bat an eye with you. They just don't talk to people. Okay. It could be. They just don't seem all that interested in selling bikes. Well, fuck them then. Yeah, fuck them. We'll we might have else. to find them. Yeah. Okay. So the most exciting bike post-Durango is... The Versus. The, the Versus is the breakout bike here. No shit. The others do pretty much what you'd expect. The Z750 was a nice, wicked, fun, cheap as balls surprise if you wanted just a, a total, like, hoon bike. All right, so we're back on with Joanne, the gear chick. How's it going, Joanne? It's going great. How you guys? Hi. Hi. Oh, wait, I didn't let her finish your sentence. I've already <laughs> failed miserably at this. I am so bad. I guess I need to hang up now. Um <laughs> so bad at podcasting. So, so Joanne, you're coming to us this week with some of the uh, shopping tips you alluded to the last time we talked to you. Yeah. You can download these tips on my website and that they're on my Gear 101 page. I developed these tips after working uh, at the dealership that I work part-time at, Scuderia West in San Francisco, selling apparel. And cool. just talking to customers every day, helping people go shopping, I found myself repeating myself constantly, mm. which is fine, which comes along with the territory. But I thought, you know, these need to be written down. And then when I got asked to present at the motorcycle shows, I had to come up with something. They're gender neutral. Doesn't matter if you're a man. Doesn't matter if you're a woman. And it doesn't matter if you've been riding for 10 months or 10 years. You know, we want to make sure that you find something that you love and that you're investing all your money into something that's going to last a long time. All your money. That was her, the shop shop worker. <laughs> <laughs> also, <Yeah>. spend money. <laughs> Hand over your credit card. You want to make sure you get your return. So I like to think that my tips will help you get all the return out of your gear, and uh, it'll last you a long time, and you'll be really happy with it. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's hit start with the top. All right. I've got five rules, and these are rules that you're going to follow before you try anything on, and before you've you know really jumped in into the store. Rule number one. Don't talk about Fight Club. Right. Everything <laughs> stays in Fight Club. Real rule number one is to always judge proper fit on your motorcycle or in riding position. We're so used to going to a department store and we're standing in front of a mirror because that's what we need, right? We need to stand in front of a mirror to see how we look. But I've actually run afoul of this one myself. Uh-huh. I was I was going to buy the XL suit because it fit great when I was standing up in the store. Fortunately, I went out and sat on my bike and it probably choked the air out of me <laughs> when I discovered the torso wasn't sufficiently long for a sitting position. There you go. And I've that- gotten bit with the, the inseam. The floodwaters? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clam diggers. Yep, yep. So you have to check the mirror but the mirror fit is is important because we want to see how we look and that's definitely something you want to do you just don't want that to be your final say even if you're not in a dealership 
maybe you're shopping, you're off Craigslist or something. It sounds funny, but assume writing position. Put your arms out, bend your knees, and just appropriate, you know, try to figure so out, approximate. Are you making people assume the position in the store? On the motorcycle. Oh, you don't just make them do it in the air? Because that would be kind of funny. Uh, Start I, doing squats. Okay, I, I will. A I little will bit. Sometimes. Be a culpa. I have done it in the air before. I'm pretty sure you just wrap a bath towel around your waist and run around your house making broom broom noises. Well, that too. <laughs> but that kind of goes into rule number two, doesn't it? My towel <laughs> is really, really comfortable. It kind of does. So rule number two is if it's too comfortable, it's probably too big. And the key word is the two, T-O-O. You know, your gear is supposed to be comfortable. That's why you're spending three or $400 on it. You're spending a lot of money on it because it should be comfortable for that long ride or for your commutes or whatever your riding style is. And if you buy a jacket with a few layers, try it on with and without them. Chuck, that means when you try on your next jacket, because I know you're going to buy three more jackets. Shut up. Make sure you're wearing that cute sweater with the bears on it you like so much for riding we when you put supposed, it on. We weren't supposed right. to talk about that. And don't forget the one your mom knit you for Christmas. That is the one his mom knitted with it. the bears on. I thought yeah. you turned the camera off, Todd. So make sure you're wearing that, too. You just want to try it in different ways. I got a question. I've only really tried wearing textile mesh gear. Okay. If I start shopping for leather gear, are the the rules of fit different? It's pretty much the same. The only difference is that with the leather, you're going to have to go to a much more snug fit than you're used to, mostly for the break-in. Because if you buy it too big, it's just going to get bigger. So is is there any substitute, would you say, for trying on like a million different things? I mean, am I going to know what works for me until I actually get it on me? And that would follow under rule number three. We want to keep trying on everything until you find the right shape and fit for your body type. And for guys, it's a lot easier because you really only have two shapes to work with. You've got... Chuck shape and Todd shape. Exactly, right? (laughs) And circle. (laughs) It's, It's uniform. Right? You don't exactly. Have, you don't have something called hip. You don't have uh, a part of God your body does. that is this well. That's the other <laughs> I have direction. huge guns. That's the other direction, boys. We're talking about sideways. But that's that's where the, the shape differences come. And for men, it's usually you're looking for either long and tall or shorter and wider. And uh, ladies, you have to look for more proportionate shapes like pear shapes hourglasses, and then sometimes the really long and tall also. So we have curves to deal with, and that's why you have to try on every brand you get your hands on, regardless of price point. That's really important because I know when you go shopping for anything, you usually just walk past something that has a price tag that is over the moon or way beyond, right? What sense rule number four for. coming on. <laughs> exactly. You, you've got to not think about your budget just in the beginning. Just pretend. Have some fun. That's the I think the fun of shopping. That's why I started my website because I love to shop and spend money. You just got to pretend for a little bit that you can buy anything you want in that store, anything at all, and just keep trying things on because inevitably you're probably going to like the one that costs more money because typically that's the main difference. The more expensive gear usually fits better than the less expensive. So what you can do then though is if you try on everything, you fall in love with the over budget one and you still can't justify the money, but now you have at least a sense of this fits really good. Now I'm going to go back to the budget side of the room and find what fits me like the one I can't afford. Now, if it's a really big company like an Alpenstars or a Revit, they make like 80 million jackets. And just because the dealer chose to bring in the $500 one, that doesn't mean that you can't ask for the catalog and then say, hey, what else do they make in my budget? Because typically the fit is the same. And now you know, hey, Alpenstars fits me. Now I can just shop and buy the less expensive version. So within the manufacturer, if you are a size 44, that's going to be the guidelines pretty pretty similar? I would say 90, 95% of the time I've seen it that way. There have been okay. a couple exceptions. Uh, Revit's a good example because they just have so much stuff, but where they've been, um, they've changed, they're changing the lines and they bring in something new and they do something different and it just happens to have a different fit shape than anything else because it's new and they're going to discontinue some other things. You know what I mean? Okay. Those are the exceptions. But yeah, generally, whatever you are in one style, you are exactly the same in another. And your, But your dealer should know that. They should hopefully be able to tell you the difference. Now, it's not consistent among brands. And that brings us to the uh, the leather rule. So, yeah. My favorite. So, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> for you, when you start shopping for two pieces, maybe, or one piece, 
your leather needs to start out a little snugger than the textile. And that's true for your boots and your gloves and your jacket and your pant. It all stretches out just like a new pair of shoes. What about my zipper hood? Your zipper hood. With the eye holes and the, the where the gas mask. I hurt. have to go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when the, the whip thing. You know, what? I'm not the only one that does that. I guess it I guess so. Yes, for that too. And anything <laughs> made from an animal hide. Actually even the synthetic leather too, even Larica which looks just like leather, feels like leather, it also stretches and gives too. The only time that I've seen that not be true is when you're talking about kangaroo kangaroo palm gloves because the kangaroo is pretty much ready to go. But generally speaking, you just want to know that any kind of leather boot that you buy, you want to make sure you buy it nice and snug so that it, when it gives, it becomes the perfect size. And that's how you're going to figure out what size do I need. Just ask yourself, do I like how these gloves fit on my hand right now? and I don't want them to change, well, then they're probably you know the wrong size because they're going to stretch. You probably need a size down or you need a different fit. You know, fit shape versus size, those are two totally different things. And mm-hmm. you want to be really careful because generally speaking, if you have to go up a size to accommodate a body part, maybe your shoulders are really broad. So you need to go up a size in that jacket. That means it's the wrong shape for your body type and that's oh. not accommodating your proportions because inevitably what happens if you go up a size to accommodate your broad shoulders, Chuck, right? The jacket is just too wide now in the middle because you- I run into that all the time. I hit this with first gear, actually. Right. So that means you need another brand. You need a brand that has a narrower waist and still has the broader shoulder or just a different cut. And that goes the same for ladies. Ladies, if you have to go up a size to accommodate your bust, but then you lose the fit everywhere else, the cut is off and you need a jacket that has a slightly different proportion. And that's where all the differences are going to be from brand to brand. And I've never really actually thought of it that way. I've always just thought, you know, size 44, size 44, size 44. I actually, I can't, I kind of independently came to that same conclusion when I was trying on first gear jackets. I actually do have really broad shoulders. And so I put on a first gear jacket that fits my shoulders Mm -hmm. and even... My chubby self is like super baggy for the rest of the jacket. It's oh, wow. it's maddening. Well, where the sleeves are so long that they go over the ends of my fingers. I've seen this very recently with uh, some of the companies out there. Americans are getting bigger. For women, the average size in the U.S. is 1214. It is much bigger than it used to be. And we all know that too many Americans are overweight, right? It's just a, like it's a fact, cool. right? So the manufacturers... Yeah, white guy. It's a fact. The manufacturers are responding. They're making gear bigger. It's good and bad because, yes, it'll fit more people. But it's also I don't know how to say it, but it I don't know if Keeps it the, makes it hard to dial in your uh, your actual size. That too, I think that too. But are they fudging the numbers? Why they do this, or are they no, just the increasing num- the numbers? No, the numbers aren't changing. It's just that when you say you're always a forty, a European forty, when you go back to that forty, you'll find the fit to be a little bigger. Typically, like you'll find oh. The arms are a lot bigger than I remember, or my shoulders are a lot roomier, or my waist is roomier. They're just relaxing the fitment on the sizes to accommodate more people, the growing population of larger people. Growing. She means more people in terms of the same number of people, (laughs) more by mass. (laughs) (laughs) Need room for those Big Macs. Good and bad. I just, I think it's, I don't know, it's really hard to... To say it's, it's okay, Joanne. You can say we're a bunch of fatties. It's, yeah. it's all right. Well, everyone knows it's, our health issues are a growing problem nationally, right? So she's that's... calling you fat. <laughs> yeah, you. I'm talking to you. Put so, the donut down. She just okay. totally said you're fat. So you listen to her. She's saying you're fat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm driving traffic to your website. These people are going to come and they're going to speak to right. you, Joanne. Generous. Generous. Yes. I'm going to use that one. A little more generous than it used to be. Because Europeans are just fit. They're different, right? Europeans look different. Not fat. They they have different body types. Thank you very much. (laughs) So make sure you check out Joanne's rules on her site. She's got a cool handout on the back of it. She's got some specifics around different kinds of gear. Lots of specifics. Which goes into quite some pretty awesome detail. So definitely take the time to check it out. Is it okay if we post both of these on, on our site? Please do. Okay, great. So we'll awesome. do that, and we'll have the link back to her site as well. And you can go there and yell at her about how you're not fat. Right. If you can type out, you know, because I know your keyboard's all greasy with all that hamburger grease, fatty. But if you, you know, get someone to type for you. How many listeners do you guys have? I feel the numbers are just dropping. Nine, ten. Oh, 
Okay, well, there goes nice. Well, it's nice. But our nine and ten listeners take up as much space <laughs> a lot as of about listener. 50. <laughs> they're generous. Yeah, they're generous <laughs> listeners. I'm sure they are. <laughs> well, Joanne, thanks so much for being on with us. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> You're welcome. Please come back again. I might. We'll see. <laughs> you might need to send a, a gently worded email my direction, and I, and I will think about it. It will be a generously worded email. Great. <laughs> so uh, we got some listener mail. Mm-hmm. Hiram writes, I know you guys would appreciate this. After a day in the classroom and two days on the range, I passed my MSF course. I already had my motorcycle endorsement before this, but it was a fresher after a 15-year hiatus. I scored 96% on the written and missed eight points on the riding test. Eight points. Did you bollocks the box or did you do a little box and miss a little braking? Anyway. If it was me, it would be all box. I rode a Suzuki TU250X for the practice end test. It was a really fun bike. It had 88 miles on it when I got on it, and I put 22 on it. Nice. He sent us an image of his rider course card. And I've since used it to sign him up for exciting credit card offers and interesting porn websites. Thanks, mm. Hiram. Good times. <laughs> yeah. Did you see this barnyard site? It's really cool. I like I like the other one, the uh, chicksandleatherbootsonbikes.com. <laughs> With uh, their leathers accurately fitted. Thanks Chicks to, in just leather boots. Thanks to advice from uh, the gear chick. Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay, uh, our next letter comes from uh, Matthew. I found your podcast uh, a couple weeks ago and have been listening to some of the past episodes. So that's who's been downloading them. As a displaced native Utah, currently living in South Florida, I enjoy hearing about some of the local rides around SLC you talk about. Although South Florida has decent weather year-round, is the most boring place on the planet to ride. No curbs or hills. About a new super tenebrarera last summer and feel like it is going to waste on these boring roads. Oh yeah, the best part of owning the new super ten is it blew. That's the nice thing about the Explorer too. It blew. Mm. That's why I was looking at those two bikes. They're blue. That's a real problem that I'm having with the Versus, actually. I think the Versus is blue. There's blue. blue, green, and red, and I don't know what color I would get. I don't particularly care for any of the above. I need blue. It matches my super suit. I get it. Yes. Message received. Did I mention my suit is blue? Your suit's blue? There's a picture of it behind you. It blue. It blue. Look at the picture behind you. It blue. It blue. Yeah. Hey, it's on a bike that looks like it could explode at any moment. <laughs> I haven't heard back from that guy. And you never will. So that's really sad. He bought a super Tenero and he's stuck in Florida. He's stuck in Florida. (laughs) Kind of blows. You know, I hate to say it, but the Florida to me is like cruiser time. Who knows? Riding up and down the coast. Yeah. You get going to bike week. Comfy cruiser with a fucking enormous set of bags on it for going out to the Keys. You know, I can throw like snorkel gear and all that crap in it. Man, you could get so much ass. Yes. Retired Jewish ladies from Long Island in droves. What? It's Florida. Whoa. It's like Long Island South, man. But or yeah. or it's redneck land, one or the other. That's not what CSI Miami makes it look like. Uh, bad news on that one, I'm afraid. What have you learned this week, Chuck? I've learned that my bike search is getting more complicated every time I talk about it. I've learned that maybe it, the bike doesn't need to be that big after all. Maybe it doesn't. Unlike me and my belly. <laughs> it is generous. But that's all we've got time for this week. Till next week, I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Ride safe, everyone. We'll see you next week. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheel Nerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent.